0: It's just so hard. It's just so hard for us really to understand that this world ends, that this all ends, that all of this is temporary, that this is not forever. That's just impossible for most of us to believe. We get up every single day making our plans, living as if this life is ultimate, and this life is not ultimate. I mean, this life is all going to roll up. It's going to be finished. It has an end. God says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. This life is so brief. This life is so short. This life is so temporary. Now, we are in our world missions emphasis, and I know that in most years, that means I preach on the Great Commission and on evangelism, and and, and I want to do that, but I feel very strongly that God wants me to do this, that God wants us to talk about this, because understand, missions matter because eternity matters. This is what drives us in missions. Eternity matters. This life is not all there is. Now, a whole lot of people that you know and a lot of people I know, they don't think they need Jesus. They think that they've got it all under control. And in this life, in this present moment, it looks like they don't need anything. It looks like they've got it all together. But the problem is this present moment, this present life, that's not all there is. Missions matter because eternity matters. You all, people need Jesus. People really need Jesus, and time is running out. Now, this is why missions matters, and this is the urgency behind our missions. This is why missions is the priority of our church. This is why Woodburn Baptist Church in the last year uh, gave away over 40% of what we received for missions. 40%. It went out of this church and went somewhere else for missions. I love that. I think that's important. We spend more on missions than anything else because missions matters, because people matter, because they need Jesus, because time is running out, because eternity matters. Okay, so understand, this is a missions message, and we need to talk about eternity. So Revelation chapter 1 is is where we go. I love this. We're going to start in verse 1, just read through verse 8. Listen to this. Revelation chapter one, verse one. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. Soon. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for thus say it, time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Look, he comes with clouds of heaven, and every I will see him. That's beautiful. That's terrifying. It's the season of Advent. Advent is simply a word that means coming. <laughs> coming. Advent means coming. So in the season of Advent, we typically set aside this season to tell the story of Jesus' Advent, his coming, his, his first coming. Very important to know the story of Jesus' first coming. He came to Bethlehem, as you know. The shepherds and wise men adored him. His mother Mary uh, laid him in a manger there beside his earthly father Joseph. It was a silent night. You know the story. That's the first Advent. That's the first coming but, but but understand and this is very very important you haven't properly heard the story of the first coming and so you have understood and heard the promise of his second coming there's the first coming but there's the second coming And it's almost impossible to tell the story correctly of the first coming if you don't also make sure that people understand the the promise that he comes again. In the same way that Jesus uh, split time and came and was born the first time, he will come again. This is the promise. So, So there's the first advent. There's also the second advent, the second coming. And that, my friends, is what the world needs to know. That's what the world needs to know that's Christmas time. And at Christmas, the whole world is somehow telling the story of Jesus, whether they mean to or not. You walk through the mall, and even if it's just an instrumental, you're going to hear carols. And those carols are ancient, ancient carols that were written to give praise to Jesus, the newborn king. And so it's kind of like an inside joke for those of us who know the songs and those of us who know the story. The world right now can't help but tell the story and celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And that's what they're doing. It's... You know, joke's on them. Uh, They want the presents and the eggnog and all that without the Jesus, and they think they can do that. But but one way or the other, y'all, Jesus gets lifted up right now, and uh, and, and for that, we give him praise. Funny thing about Christmas, though, it it, it seems kind of long in coming. When I was a kid, it seemed like it would never come. Now, as a grown-up, it's it's here. Like every time I turn around, we're having Christmas again. It's it's a strange thing how we count down the days to Christmas. There, at, at McDonald's on Campbell Lane one day, there were these two kids at the ketchup thing. You know, into the little cups, and this kid was getting his ketchup. It was one of those days where the ketchup you know hadn't been filled in like four days, so he's going you know, nothing's coming out. So the kid behind him was like, you know, just, just finally he said, "Would you get out of the way? You're slow as Christmas." He said, "You're slow as Christmas." Now, what does that mean exactly? Because we hear that phrase slow is Christmas. In what way is Christmas slow? Yeah. From a kid's perspective, as I said, the idea that it just seems like it never comes because for a child, Christmas is amazing. For a child, Christmas is waking up to a a mountain of presents under the tree, making a long, long list of things that Santa Claus is supposed to bring in all of that sort of thing. Christmas is being out of school. And so kids count down the days. And when you're counting down days, it seems like Christmas will never come. And then as a kid, the longest night of the year is what night? Ah, oh, Christmas Eve. Christmas Day never comes. Never comes. Oh, my goodness. Slow is Christmas. Back in June, there was a doctor's office waiting room and a crowd of people. A couple walks in, husband and wife, to June. As they walk in the door, the man is with his wife, and he begins going around to every person in the waiting room going, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And the wife is very embarrassed. Obviously, the man has dementia. And it's awkward because he's wishing everybody in the room, Merry Christmas, and people just sort of avoid eye contact, you know, with the guy who was having Christmas in June. And the wife just kind of explains to the whole room, I'm sorry, everybody, my husband just started doing this. Uh... I, 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 you know, I'm sorry uh, He started doing it around the house He just started saying Merry Christmas And we just started going with it uh, Because it brought him so much joy So now when he gets in the Christmas spirit In the middle of June you know, I wear my red sweater And uh, we play carols And uh, we have Christmas it's, uh, We've learned just to experience it As a pleasant surprise Okay, that's interesting That's different Now, the one way that we think about Christmas is how slow it is. We're counting down the days. We've got it on the calendar. And when you're looking forward to it, you know it's coming. Sometimes it seems slow in coming. But this other way is how it just sort of breaks in in June when all of a sudden you look up and somebody's having Christmas. And and that's interesting. In that that case, it's a surprise. It's it's a pleasant surprise. Now, we're talking about Christmas, which means we're talking about the, the coming of Jesus, and in Scripture, it's interesting. The coming of Jesus is almost always described more like the man who who somehow has Christmas in June. In every instance when the coming of Jesus is described, nobody's looking for it. It's not anticipated. We're not counting down days. The coming of Jesus comes the way labor comes on a pregnant woman, do you understand? Or the way a thief slips in in the night. But it catches people by surprise. It's not one of those things where you're ready, you've got uh, stockings hung by the chimney with care. It's not that sort of thing. When Jesus comes, understand, it's an interruption. It's a surprise. You can know he's coming, but still he slips in like a thief. The way John describes the second advent of Jesus, he says, look, he comes with clouds of heaven. Now, you now, what, let's do, let's read this and let's let's sort of compare that first advent to the second advent. The first coming to what we know about Jesus' second coming. He's coming again. You ready? Okay, listen. Look, he comes with the clouds of heaven. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, Amen. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Okay, he comes with clouds of heaven. Now, let's go back to the first advent. Remember the story? Did he come with clouds of heaven? No. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world would be taxed. You know the story. And Mary also, when being great with child, uh, and the story goes, Mary and Joseph wound up in the little bitty city of Bethlehem. And the time came that the baby should be born. There was no room for them in the end. And so she did what? She wrapped the child in clouds of heaven? No. She wrapped the child in what? She swaddled him. She swaddled him. Laid him in a manger? Yeah. Um, the word we often use, that the Christmas carol word is lowly. Funny, we don't use that word for anything else, but, but he was a, a lowly infant. She laid him in a lowly manger. The idea is it was, it was low, 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 not high, low. Things that are low are typically less important. Things that are low are associated with children and animals and other things that typically have no status, no recognition. Things that are low are usually overlooked. His first coming was lowly. I said it was overlooked. Uh, There were angels that the shepherds saw, but apparently the whole world didn't see angels, just the shepherds. And the shepherds themselves, they go and they worship, but honestly, they're just shepherds. We don't know how many of them there were, but they came and they went. And otherwise, y'all, it was a... Silent night, a a quiet night. The whole world did not stop. The whole world did not know. As a matter of fact, you could say almost everybody was completely unaware of the fact that Jesus was born, that Jesus had slipped into the world. It was a silent thing. It was sort of a slip thing. It was a private thing. He was born. He grew. And for the most part, completely out of the public eye, Jesus grew. Favor with God and men, but nobody... Nobody really recognized or knew who he was. When he started his public ministry, though, he got recognition. He got noticed, and it wasn't a good thing. I mean, Jesus' ministry was a good thing, but it was not a good thing to the religious people who learned to despise him. The truth that Jesus represented had this tendency to expose all of their lies, all of their hypocrisy, and they only had two options. Either they could repent and get right, or they could get rid of him. They opted to get rid of him. Jesus' public ministry, when people were listening to him and, and following him and, and he would gather the crowds, it was actually a very, very short period of time in his life. He probably was lived to be 30, 33. His public ministry lasted probably three years or less. So, in all of his years, very short time, when he actually was in the public eye, and that in itself was increased, increasingly met with hostility, and ultimately, as you know, they they killed him. They crucified him. The, the son of God, come in the flesh. Jesus, come down. Understand, they killed him. That They pierced him is the word that John uses. They, the, they pierced him. They nailed him to a cross, hands, feet. They pierced his side with the spear. They, they crumpled his brow with the crown of thorns. They pierced him. And they laughed and they mocked. They celebrated his defeat. That is the first coming we celebrate. But John says, you haven't completely heard the story of the first coming until you have understood the promise of the next coming. And it's going to be different. It's going to be absolutely different. Look, John says, he comes in clouds. He comes with clouds of heaven. Now understand, you've got to get this Saturday morning cartoon picture out of your head. It doesn't mean that like clouds are his mode of transportation, like he's floating in on clouds. I know that's how it's, it's like often painted and that's how we sort of picture it. But you've got to understand this is God coming. That the creator of heaven and earth. He's not going to come, you know, like putt-putting in on some white clouds. When it says he comes with the clouds of heaven, understand. Whenever God's presence was revealed on earth, it was hidden by a cloud. Because people aren't able to look into the blazing glory of God and live. Something has to obscure the view. Something has to somehow make you able to gaze into the blazing furnace of his holiness. So when God appeared at the at the Mount of Sinai before Moses with the Ten Commandments, the cloud descended just so Moses could bear it, just so Moses could be there. That cloud is always associated with the presence of God. So look, he comes with clouds. We're talking about the very presence of God. Look, he comes with clouds of heaven and every eye shall see him. This is no silent night. This is no lowly infant in a manger. This is no private thing that only a few people were privileged to to see and observe. Understand, every eye, every eye. I'm not just telling you a Bible story here. This is a moment out of your own life. Do you understand this? Nobody's going to miss this. You won't miss this. Every eye will see him. Well, Pastor Tim, I, I, I think there's no way to take that verse literally because we all know that the earth is round. And so if he comes in one place, say the Mount of Olives in Israel, we can't possibly see that from Woodburn. The earth is round. Yeah, well, Bill and I are the science guy. I really didn't understand that you were in worship today. But let me explain some science to so you. Understand, God is way beyond the laws of physics, the laws of time and space. We're talking about an eternal God who steps back into time. He splits it. you understand? When God, the, 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 the majestic creator, invades a creation that he's spoken to existence, it unravels. God present in his creation. Understand, there's no more laws of physics and time. He's not bound by those. God will be seen in every place at once in the same way that he's every place at once right now. He's every place at once right now. It's just in that moment, you'll see him. Every eye shall see him, even those that pierced him. when Jesus came the first time, they mocked him. They defeated him and rejoiced in that defeat, that they pierced him, they killed him. Now, when John says, even those who pierced him, I, I, I think it's important to recognize we, we are talking about those historical men who physically took spears and nails and pierced him. But, but more importantly, understand that, that category of people captures all of those throughout all of time who have rejected him. All those who with their lives have rejected him. All those who with their lives have told him no. All those who throughout their lives have refused to bend their knee, change their plans, believe his word. All of those who have rejected him throughout all time, they will see him with their own eyes. Understand this coming isn't just some sort of you know private show for believers. This is a world stopper. Every eye sees him, even those who pierced him. And the scripture says then the nations will mourn. I know, I know that we say that in heaven he wipes away all the tears, but understand somewhere between this moment when every eye sees him and the moment he wipes away all the tears, there is a great deal of mourning. Because this is devastating. You have to understand, this is devastating. It's over. In this moment, it's over. And all those who thought that they would have more time, all those who thought that one day, although they've always said no to Jesus, one day they say yes, or all of those who'd always imagined that they'd pull their life together, all those who'd always been putting it off, understand, time's up. It's over. It's all over. It's, it's, it's just unfathomable. For those unprepared to meet Jesus, understand his coming will be devastating. Absolutely devastating. I don't think you're understanding yet what this means. We're talking about people you know. We're talking about people you know. We're talking about people I know. They will stand before Jesus. They will see him. Every eye will see him. And, and at that moment, the decision's been made. The judgment's been passed. I mean, you understand there's no second chance now. The first time he came, he came to save the world. The second time he comes, he comes to judge the world. He comes. He comes. And it's devastating for those who don't know him, for those unprepared. You have to understand this is devastating. This is terrifying. There's no outpouring of worship and adoration at first. There is this amazing cry coming up from the world. The cry of people who are not prepared to meet him. The cry of people who've never believed in him. The cry of people who denied his very existence. They see him with their eyes and they recognize that it is over. They're condemned. It it, it unravels. You understand? It's up. Time is up. Talking about people you know. Talking about nations throughout all of time. It's over. It's over. I remember one time as a kid driving with my grandma Mays. Grandma Mays was like 200 years old, and this she was this tall, this tall. And it was one of those weird days when the weather was off. It was like winter, but it was warm, kind of like today. And uh, my Grandma Mays said, you know, I've always heard him say that right before Jesus comes back, you won't be able to tell one season from the other. Okay, Grandma, that is not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. But she'd heard it, and she said it. You know, In other words, for her, the fact that everything seems to be kind of out of whack just means Jesus must be coming back. That was sort of her thinking. But the thing is, you know, that scared me to death. Like I was six and I had plans. You know what I mean? I'm just like, yeah, that's great for you, old lady. You know, you're 200 years old. You know, got four teeth left in your head and you can't hear thunder, you know? Doesn't matter how cold it is. You got three sweaters on. Of course, of course you want Jesus to come back. You know, what do you got down here, lady? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? You know, all the old people are always like, oh, he's coming back. And it's like, of course you want him to come back. I got stuff to do. Don't you ever feel that way? It's like people always saying he's coming back. That My grandma amazed y'all. She died years ago. Like she kept thinking that because that particular winter it was warm, Jesus was going to come back before spring. But understand, we buried her dead, four teeth in her head and a sweater. She's in heaven now, you know. That's great. She had nothing left down here. And that's the thing. That's sort of the way that that we get fooled by it all because people have been talking about Jesus coming back for so long. And it just starts sort of sounding ridiculous in the ears of the world. For those who don't believe and those who don't understand the promise and those who don't understand how God works, it's just sounds. I mean, that is the silliest thing ever. They've been saying, I mean, look, John says he's gonna come back soon. In verse one, it must soon take place. Soon, nothing. Yeah, you know, This was like 2000 years ago when he wrote it. Give me your definition of soon. What about when it says the time is near? Give me your definition of near. That was 2,000 years ago when my grandma Mays was in elementary school. Understand? That's a long, long time ago. So, so, so what does that mean? That means some very important things. First off, don't complain that his coming seems delayed. Thank God that it's given the world more time. Thank God that it gives the world more time. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to the book of Second Peter 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. This is beautiful, and this is amazing, and this is the heart of our Father. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. If you don't normally turn, when I say turn, do this, will you please? Because you need this. You need this. Matter of fact, underline it in your Bible. Next time you run into my grandma maze, you can uh, read this to her. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. You must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He is being, say the word, patient. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. It's not slow. It's patience. Because you understand When the sky rolls up like a cheap window shade, you understand that at that that very moment, God brings judgment to the world. And there are lots and lots and lots of people that God loves who at that moment will be condemned. God doesn't want any of them to perish. God doesn't want you to perish. He's giving you more time. He's giving your children more time. He's giving this church more time. He's giving the community, he's giving my neighbors more time. Do you understand this? God is patient, so patient. The fact that it seems long in coming, you've got to understand, with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. He's an eternal God. He's not wearing a watch. He's beyond time. But his coming is certain. The promise is for sure. One day he comes, and when he comes, it is going to be over. It's going to be ultimate, eternal bad news for multitudes of people. Don't complain that his coming seems delayed. Thank God that he's giving the world more time. Now that goes on to say one more thing. God gives the world more time so that they can be saved. He's giving you more time so you can tell them. The fact that we have more time, the fact that we have even one more day. If all of this is true and you told me that you believe that it is. If all of this is true, then what do you have today that's more important than going and knocking on your neighbor's door to make sure they're ready to meet Jesus? Tell me, what's more important than that? What's more important than sitting your teenager down today and having a conversation about your soul? Honestly, you said you believe this. If you believe this, what's more important? What's more important? If you say you believe this and you really believe that he's coming again and you really believe that people are going to step into eternity one day. If you really believe that, what's more important? God gives the world more time so people can be saved. He's giving you and me more time so we can tell them. Do you understand how eternity becomes our greatest motivation for missions? We have to tell the world. We have to spread the word. We have to tell people. They need to understand. That yeah, you may be sitting high in this life, but this life is not all there is. You may say in your life, you've never seen God. You've never seen miracles. You've never seen any of that. You don't believe it. You've got to understand one day your eye will see him. And it will be too late. Look, he's coming in the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. As I said, we're talking about people you know. There's only one way that I can see that you can respond to this message if you're a believer. I mean, right now when I say we're talking about people you know, Names and faces pop in your head, don't they? I mean, unless you're sleeping. Names and faces pop in your head right now because you know people. You know people. When those names and faces pop into your mind, understand that that's not like, you know, just random thoughts. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. The fact that you know Jesus and they don't know Jesus and the fact that you cross paths with them, that, my friends, defines your purpose. Now you know why you're here This job that you work, this family that you have on earth, understand all of this is temporary. Eternity is forever. From this spot, we can see forever. And the fact that you understand eternity means you should understand what you need to be doing with your life. It's wonderful to celebrate Jesus' first coming, but you haven't really heard that story until you understand He's coming back, and every eye. Pray with me, Jesus. I long to see you. All of my life, I've walked with you and I have talked with you and I have heard preachers preach about you and choirs sing about you. I have imagined your shining face when I looked into the sun. Seen something of your beauty in the amazing blue of the sky. And I've heard something of your voice in the songs of birds and coyotes. Love you, Lord, and I long to see. You. But in the moment when I see you, Lord, everybody else in all the world that's ever lived will see you. And, and many of them, Lord, are unprepared to see you. And some of them, Lord, are people I know. And the fact that they are not yet ready to meet you, Lord, that says something terrible about me and my effectiveness as your disciple, as a preacher, Lord. The fact that so many people that I know every day will one day tremble at your presence, Lord, that doesn't speak well of me. The fact that the community of Woodburn, after 150 years, still mostly doesn't come to church, Lord, that doesn't speak well Woodburn Baptist Church. The fact that we spend 40% of all of our income on missions and yet we haven't reached the trailer park across the street yet, Lord, that doesn't speak well for us. God teach us the, the the truths about eternity, Lord, the temporary nature of this life, Lord. Help us to understand that everything that we see is a vapor, vanishes, but Lord, you and your word and your kingdom will last forever. Lord, help us to prepare ourselves for forever. Help us, Lord, to take the news to the world who desperately needs to know that you are good, that you are God, that you are loved, that you have saved them, and that you are coming back to judge. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll stir this church, Lord, with the realities, the truths of the gospel, Lord, that we may... Find no way to live our lives with such comfort as long as there is one more person out there who has never heard. Help us, Lord, because of eternity, to devote our lives to the mission of the gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.